I certainly didn't see any of that. Uh, John, John's a passionate person, but uh, I didn't see him acting any, uh, any other way. Well, 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 that was quite a day, wasn't it? What an incredible start to the 2023 Ryder Cup here at Marco Simone Golf and Country Club. On the outskirts of Rome, the eternal city, and my God, today has felt like an eternity. So apologies if Alex and I sound a little bit tired and bleary-eyed, but it's been a long day, as we'll explain, but what a day. So... Welcome to the latest episode of the Ryder Cup Commute, brought to you by the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have had your company all this week. We don't take it for granted, so thank you for putting time aside to listen to our ramblings. (laughs) I'm looking across at him right now. Alex Perry, (laughs) my RCPIC, and if you know what that is, well done. (laughs) RCPIC? Yeah, not not RC. RC. (laughs) (laughs) I am RC at the RC. (laughs) RC, yeah. My Ryder Cup partner in crime, I'll just give the game away straight away. Poor Alex is lying on a sofa in my bedroom just now. And you look the way I think I feel, Alex, after what has been a long, very long, but ultimately fantastic, dramatic, memorable day. So hello and welcome. Hello and thank you. Yes, incredibly long day. I think my alarm went off at 4.30. I don't want any of this to be misconstrued as complaining because it has been a remarkable day. And as I keep saying, we are incredibly lucky and privileged and hardworking (laughs) to be able to cover the tournaments such as this and and be involved in days like this. and. And be able to to know that we can go in and we've got a special area in the first tee of the Ryder Cup. One of the most, if not the most incredible experience you can have as a golf fan. And something that I would recommend everyone tries to do at least once in their life. Completely agree. And so special. It's to be, it's, it doesn't really hit home until you see those hordes of people like it is it's something out i mean that in itself in itself is experience Mm. just witnessing the people it's like something out of a zombie film it really (laughs) is like you're you're watching people i I, you must people must have seen the video where the right i think it was Ryder cup europe tweeted it didn't they so if you haven't seen it head over to to check it out but there are they literally hold people and then as soon as they release it they are running, hordes and hordes of people are running in. It's, it's quite, quite... Just to try and grab their, their space Just to the grab that space in the first grandstand. Because, I mean, when they open the gates, obviously all the priority people have come in mm-hmm. by that point. When they open the gates, there's only probably, what, a few hundred seats left? Yeah, probably about that. And they need yep. to, uh, you know, those... It's basically first come, first serve. You yep. get in there. Most uh, obviously, a lot of people go running up the side of the fairway. They want that's where they want to be, or they want to be up in the that little stand behind the first green. Also, a really good place mm-hmm. from where to watch it because actually, the viewpoint from behind that first green back down the first fairway to the first tee is incredible. And I'm sure, actually, the way that the sound moves out of that grandstand and up the hill, it actually probably sounds really cool from up there. Yeah, yeah, yes, it does. So yeah, you and I got there. What? Well. 
Half past seven was the first tea time, wasn't it? Local. Yeah, so we were in the and grandstand. We were in there about 6.15, Yeah, 6.15 we got into the grandstand. So, yeah, yeah incredible. As we record right now, just for context, it's half past nine. So that is 15 hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. That is maths that I didn't expect to be able to do right there. That is how long our day has been. I mean, look, again, I know, I know, I know the journalists, golf journalists and, and media get a lot of shit for complaining about the amount of work they put in but they do i mean i have you have to just give a shout out to the people in that media center we yep. were all in there i'm not just talking about you and i i'm talking about the entire people who the whole press bring court. the content people who bring the news to you the people who put the hard hours in i mean we left and there were still plenty of people left in there mm. people who we know had been in there since we were in there at six o'clock this morning and they put the hard yards in to bring people the content that they they want, and like you have to just give them a shout out because it is 100%. it's an incredibly long day. It's incredibly hard work, and generally we get back to the hotel like we are now. I mean, you and I have been sat on the bus on the way back from the media center, just going, "God, do this podcast." <laughs> so hopefully, people are listening and enjoying it, and not taking this as a complaint at all, but Absolutely. hopefully taking some sort of gratitude to the people that have to go through. We don't get to. You know, we we were we were listening to the music bouncing after the play had finished from the uh, where they from the big ceremony stage. You know, all the big hits, all the crowd pleasers, and we were sitting in the media centre grafting, and we were, I was thinking, I'd love to just be out there having a little dance and a beer right now, <laughs> but I can't. Um, generally, we come back to the hotel, we have a beer in the hotel bar, and we go face down in our cold pillows. So, shout out to everyone that's involved, but yeah, like. We also can't do it without the listeners exactly. and the readers. Yeah, so so we, we, a shout out to you as well. because we, we do hope that you enjoy this, absolutely, because why else would we do it? Exactly. I and do. I, I tell you what, I do love the interactions we have on social media. I think it's absolutely fantastic when people get involved. Yeah. It, 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 makes, it makes us want to be on social media and just yeah, be 100%. tweeting and stuff like that. 100%. It's so great fun. I think on, on that point, we are feeling the effects of today we could probably have done with it an hour's delay in our, our shuttle bus coming back <laughs> as well but if we make mistakes with this please bear with us we'll, we'll try our best to get all the details right and we want to get them right to accurately reflect just what an incredible opening day it was a record equaling opening day here at Marcus Simone Alex Europe with a six and a half one and a half advantage at the end of Friday it's an advantage, five points. My God, five points ahead. I was actually thinking about this when I was sitting in the bus because, frankly, a lot of time to think. And it occurs to me that even if the US whitewashes Europe in the opening session on Saturday, they'll still go to lunch trailing. There's nothing they can do about that. They can't recover enough points to have a lunch where they're at least even level pegging, yeah. which tells you just how dominant Europe were today. And absolutely sensational performance, frankly, from Luke Donald's team. And the, the the foursomes really set the tone for it, a 4-0 victory, really vindicating Luke Donald's decision to switch it up and go with foursomes on home soil, first up for the first time since 1993, when, of course, was the last time we also lost. <laughs> so... Very quickly, I'll run you through the scores. John Ram, Terrell Hatton beat Scheffler and Burns 4-3. Hovland, Oberg, 4-3 winners as well against Homa and Harmon. Lowry and Straka. What a day Shane Lowry had. What a week Shane Lowry's <laughs> having. He's the happiest man in Rome. 
They had a two and one win over Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa, and Rory and Tommy Fleetwood with a two and one win over Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley. Lunch would have tasted fantastic for Europe. As I say, vindication for what might have seemed a pretty insignificant decision by Donald, but actually there was a lot riding on it, wasn't there? Well, there's a lot of talk about it, certainly, earlier in the week, wasn't there? And uh, the Americans started to get a little bit cocky, didn't they? Saying, oh, Luke thinks he's got a 4-0 in the bag here uh, for Friday morning. And, you know, what if it backfires? And then he has to change everything around. And, you know, we were all quietly confident in our <laughs> in our glorious leader. But, no, it was, it was a spectacular day. And everything just fell in everything was falling in. It was just, I mean, Victor Hovland, who I'm sure we'll come on to a bit later, <laughs> he really set the tone playing with Ludwig Eberg. And we were saying earlier in the week or in the preview podcast that Hovland is one of the players that now perhaps has to step up. He's had his, he's had a Ryder Cup. We've got plenty of rookies coming through and he now has to, even though, and it's the same with Shane Lowry, Lowry Shane Lowry actually, like, we were we were joking earlier. It feels like Shane Lowry's played in ten Ryder Cups. And it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like you have to sort of remind yourself that he this is only his second Ryder Cup, which mm. is astonishing, really. In itself, but he had to play the senior role in that. But in exactly, that partnership, and didn't so he? did Hovland, who mm. is twenty five years old, twenty seven maybe. So it's just for for him to step up the way he did and crease one off that first tee into the fairway. I mean. Just, th- just thinking that if that drive had slipped, you know, five feet over the over the line and into the rough, what Oberg might have been able to do with that, it well, we'll never have to know, which is which is wonderful. But yeah, you know, Oberg stuck it to the back of the green, and Hovland chipped from from the fringe of the green. He chipped, which was just magnificent. <laughs> fell in the cup. Rome erupted. The, the by far the biggest cheer of the day for certainly for the for the morning anyway, and it was only what ten minutes old. It was just yeah. absolutely fantastic. It was it was a, about as fun a morning as I can remember in my time watching the Ryder Cup without a shadow of a doubt. And I think what's the most surprising part for me isn't really the four 0 whitewash. It's not that they happen all the time, but we have become accustomed to whitewashes. Certainly, I think sixteen. The, the US inflicted one on us. I think Europe inflicted one on the US in the afternoon session on the Friday in Paris, mm. if, if memory serves. May have got that wrong. But yeah, whitewashes do happen. My goodness, one happened last week in the Solheim Cup. They're not exactly new. What is new is the fact that at no point on Friday morning in any of the matches were the Americans ahead. I mean, that is borderline extraordinary. No, it was, it was, I think it was, did we work it out to six and a half hours before the American team actually led in any match, which is for a team of that strength. I mean, it's on Zach Johnson really, isn't it? Like he has, look, we don't know what's been going on in the team room, but he came into his press conference afterwards and said, we're thankful for a team doctor. There's been some illness or some health issues among the team. Now I'm Ooh, not convenient. Yeah, I I really, I I'm not sure I want to start swinging accusations of making up excuses and stuff like that. And but, he was determined that that's not what it was. Exactly. As well. But if it's not an excuse, 
don't bring it don't, up. Don't you, use it. You don't yeah. need. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to say it. It's okay for you to come out and just go. Do you know what the Europeans were amazing? And all credit to them. A bit of Monty coming out of him. And, <laughs> and all credit to them. We wish them well tomorrow, but not that well, obviously. Yeah. Been, we don't, do we? It's been a week or so since we had an impression, so that was good. But, <laughs> been working on John Ram, by the way. I might unleash that next week. Brilliant. Can't wait for that. At Bunker Podcast Live. Correct. There you go. There's our quick po- uh, quick plug for that. Presented by Eden Mill. Presented by Eden Mill. Sorry, yes. Uh, it was... Yeah, that's, that is... Like you said... It's not borderline unacceptable. It is unacceptable. It's unacceptable for either of those teams to take six and a half hours to get on the board. Exactly. Not sorry, not get on the board to actually lead Lead. in a match. To to lead lead in a match. I think I worked it out. Let me just see if it's in my notes here. But it was something like we had won. Yeah, sorry. So in the morning session, Europe won twenty-two holes. USA won ten. That's absolutely astonishing. Rahm and Hatton were six under for their round or for the, for the whole the amount of holes they played. Scheffler and Burns were one under. Hovland and Aberg were three three under. Homer and Harmon were one over. Lowry Stracker beat the other two by two. This is stroke play scores, of course. McElroy mm-hmm. Fleetwood were four under when their match ended. And Schofield and Cantley were two under. Like every match like none of them were close. Exactly. It was Which... I think we should change it to a blue wash, actually. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> It certainly was. It was funny because the, the the scoreboard in the media center actually, I was looking at it and if you squinted just enough, it resembled a Blackburn Rover shirt with <laughs> all black on one side and just this whitewash on the opposite side of it, which was, as a Blackburn Rovers fan, I, I quite enjoyed that. There's something you didn't know about me. But yeah, look, questions have to be asked of Zach Johnson, his preparation. I don't know where it's gone wrong, frankly. But he has clearly managed to get some things wrong. That's not to take anything away from the Europeans who were clearly fantastic, dominant. And, you know, a lot of the credit for that surely has to go to Luke Donald and, as I say, the ballsy decision he made to go with foursomes first. But Zach Johnson, I I sound like Captain Hindsight, but I've wondered about his style of leadership with the whole, yeah, guys, just take the month off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, the FedEx Cup season, you've had a long year, gents. Just... Get some downtime, and I want you to come to Rome fresh. How stupid does that look now? I mean, just ask your players to play a bit more to keep the competitive reps going, as opposed to putting the feet up and you know just hitting, clapping a few balls in the range every so often. I mean, I'm being a bit facetious because I know they do more than that. But the bottom line is, the Americans have come into this match this week undercooked. And Zach Johnson is in a position where he can, to some extent, influence that. Clearly, to me, he is not a strong enough leader. I was completely uninspired by the appointment in the first place because he's never struck me as a leader of men. He's never struck me as a particularly inspirational character, no matter how good his record is. And I'm well aware there's still two days of this thing to go, that there's still 20 points up for grabs. My God, they, they could feasibly win this 21 and a half, six and a half. Mm-hmm. But that's never going to happen. And frankly, I, I, I think it's over, to be completely honest. And Johnson's going to have to carry the can. No losing captain is a good captain. Every winning captain is a great captain. That's just the sort of lazy logic that we've fallen into. But this is unacceptable. And if I was an American, I would be losing my mind. And all you have to do is look at social media to see how many of them are. Just on the point you've made there, 
who is the one player in that team who has played a tournament in the last few couple of weeks and who was their best player comfortably today? That would be Justin and Thomas. who was the player who was the most controversial inclusion in that team? Exactly. I mean, look, he's vindicated for picking Justin Thomas. I'll give him that much. But as you rightly said, Justin Thomas has played and he played exceptionally well at the Fortnite. He finished yeah. top five, I think. Yeah, but sometimes you, you, got, you, you can be let down by the guys that are around about you that don't produce the goods. But look who he's surrounded himself with. Fred Couples, who's a complete liability when it comes to speaking to people and you know giving games away. He, he should have been shifted on long ago. Jim Furyk, who's record in the Ryder Cup. I mean, how can you sit in a team room, look at Jim Furyk and go, he's inspiring, when Europe's sitting there looking at a Seve Ballesteros shirt in their team room, I mean, it's just, it's not even compatible. So he's made massive mistakes. There is a small chance that he may may well end the week as the winning captain, but I just don't see it. No, and the inquest should be starting now. Possibly it is. Well, I, I, I'm i sort of got to the point now where I'm thinking, I, I said to you last week on the podcast that I don't want a runaway victory for either team because that to me same with football that I don't really enjoy them when okay when Tokyo 5-0 up away from home in a title decider fine against Plymouth or Gale exactly yeah but if Tokyo and Plymouth are in the same division either something's gone very right for Tokyo or very wrong for Plymouth (laughs) that that is not going to happen for many many years if at all ever again certainly in my lifetime but anyway I certainly didn't want a runaway victory. I want it like if my dream scenario is always Europe win like second to last game because yeah. you know you've had a really tense battle over three days and the team you want to win comes out on top. But now if I'm not going to have that and it's going to be a runaway victory, I want it to be a record breaking runaway exactly. victory. So Nothing, anything less than 20 points now is seen as a failure in my eyes. I'm not Listen, interested in anything. The, the Junior Rider Cup team have already set the <laughs> exactly, bar at 20 and exactly. a half, so that's got to be the bare minimum now. Listen, we've got loads that we need to talk about, but we also need to throw it to the break. The break, even. So please do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree hitting it far feels great, but does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back. Part two of today's Ryder Cup commute brought to you by the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway, Michael and Alex sitting here in my bedroom and Alex fully clothed because frankly we made that joke a couple of days ago and we're too tired to come up with any new ones so we'll just batter <laughs> right on shall I'm we? too tired to take my clothes off <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying this and you're able to come along on Thursday this coming Thursday get yourself to Drygate in Glasgow Bunkered Podcast Live the first ever one presented by Eden Mill We'll be on stage doing this again. Alex will be fully clothed way hey, twice in the first minute of the second part. And I've thrown in the same gag that I did two days ago. I'll come up with fresh gags for, for Thursday night. It's going to be a lot of fun though. And there will be prizes that you can win. 
exclusively brought home in Mr. Perry's suitcase from this here match. Tickets are just about gone. I know I keep saying it, but it's true. And we're trying to find space to accommodate a few others. So bunker.co.uk forward slash podcast live. Get your tickets now. Come see us next week. Come and hang out with us and have a beer afterwards as well, because that would be nice, wouldn't it? It's nice to be sociable. <laughs> I wonder how sociable an environment it is in the American team room right this very second, Alex. Friday morning, yeah, really pretty bad. Let's quickly look at the scores on Friday afternoon. Hovland Hatton tied with Thomas and Spieth. Ram Hoygaard tied with Scheffler and Kepka. Bob McIntyre, Justin Rose tied with Homa and Clark. And the sole full point of the afternoon, a 5-3 and three battering of Colin Morikawa and Xander Schofley by Rory McIlroy and Matt Fitzpatrick, who gets his first full Ryder Cup point at the third match of asking. Seven years later, he's got a Matt point. Fitz. I mean, I've just summarised the scores there, but that comes absolutely nowhere close to describing the, the full picture of what was an extraordinary, frankly, afternoon session today. I'm going to use it. Stand by, but yes, ebbs and flows. There was tons, <laughs> tons of that action. Take it off your bingo card. It was constant throughout the day. At one point, it looked like the 4-0 whitewash was on again for Europe. Early doors, we were talking about 8-0. Has that, what, what would the odds have been on that? I mean, my goodness. Then it looked like the Americans were starting to ease their way back in. Then it looked like they were really dominating. What an incredible final 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour or so. Rory, Matt Fitz at one point, six up. The Americans chipped away at that lead, finally got it across the line. But really the big drama was in those top three matches. Victor Hovland producing some absolutely filthy golf to, to eke out a tie against Spieth and Thomas. John Ram, my words, Two eagles in his final three eagle holes. Par eagle par eagle. Absolutely after, By the way, we should point out that that was after Nikolai Hoygaard had done all the heavy lifting in that Correct. group as well. John Rahm did, uh, I don't want to say he did nothing, but he didn't contribute until that, fu- Egg, that final three holes. Exactly. That's Ham and Egan. And yeah, Nikolai Hoygaard, I mean, he's a, he's a spindly character. Very quietly went yeah. about his business, didn't he? I can't imagine his shoulders would have been too happy at having to carry John Ram for the first 14, 15 holes. And then the, the, the final green dramatic scenes, Max Homer misses his birdie putt after Bob Mack had missed his. And then Justin Rose, the, the elder statesman who's been there, seen it and done it and has more t-shirts for this occasion than I think most people can ever dream to have, rolls in a birdie putt to again eke out a tie to ensure that Europe goes into Saturday with a five-point lead, six and a half, one and a half, and also to ensure that the Americans end the day without a full point on the board. What for you, Alex, was the the highlight or highlights of that afternoon session? Because I think uh, a certain Norwegian is going to come up here, I presume. <laughs> first of all, I think I read that that's the first time ever in the Ryder Cup that the USA have gone an entire day without winning a match so that's interesting Matt Fitzpatrick we we talked about him there absolutely buzzing for him again I've I've mentioned this already and anyone who's got the magazine sitting next to them right now will know that I chatted to his caddy Billy Foster just a couple of weeks before the Ryder Cup and 
he was talking about how he's a different player and my word, I mean, Rory McIlroy may as well have been on the other side of the ropes for that match. <laughs> he re- like he met, like, Matt Fitzpatrick would have beaten Morikawa and Schofield on his own. I'm comfortable in thinking that. He went birdie, 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 eagle, birdie, birdie. Is that right? Yeah. Well, a part to start. Yeah, part to start, yeah. Bit of just, just easing himself in. But yeah, sure. Uh, six like, under on, or six under through six holes, I think he was, just yeah, on his own ball. Unbelievable stuff. Bob, I'll, I'll let you talk about Bob in a minute, but I was, you know, you and I went up there for that first tee shot and there was there was some pinching of the of the skin between your eyes. Uh, I, I saw you, I saw you, all, you had a bit of a wobble and I, I, I yes. felt that, man. I felt that. It was, it was, I mean, look, shaming we, me we, publicly, Jesus. We touched on the first tee experience this, ahead of the morning matches and... You know, when they played Ness and Dormer and all oh that lot, God. and it was it was incredibly emotional. Like it's, it's an it's, it's an emotionally charged experience at the best of times. But then you put that in it, and over videos of Seve and videos of Darren Clark in in two thousand and six, and goodness me, like we were all choking it back. It has the desired effect, that doesn't it? Well done to the the content creators at Ryder Cup Europe. Exactly. One. I will, I'll, I'll come back to Bob and I'll let, well, I'll let you come back to Bob, but I do just want to speak about Victor Hovland for a little bit. Look, if I, if I could encourage everyone to, to head over to bunker.co.uk and just have a little read of something I wrote about him. It was, um, by the way, <laughs> sorry, Stu, it is absolutely brilliant. I, was I sat, love this. I was sat having uh, breakfast after the, after the first tee shots, we, we'd been up and seen them all, the, the, all the groups go out. And then we went back in to fill our faces with fried food. And I was sat with a friend who works for Sky Sports, lovely young lady called Ali. And she just, we were just sat there and, and Victor Hovland was, had come on the TV and she just went, I would leave my boyfriend for Victor Hovland. <laughs> and I just, and I saw when, yeah, so would I, not really knowing what I was saying. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? That, that is, uh, I've made no secret for the last few years that, that Jordan Spieth is my favourite golfer. I was, I, I've mentioned it before that I was incredibly fortunate to be taken to Dallas, to his home club, to be able to meet him, to interview him had an incredible, I mean, I liked him anyway. And then I know you don't get the, get the vibe from him, but I I was able to go and meet him. And that day just sort of cemented it for me. Like it was incredible. You know, in this industry, you have to deal with a lot of, yeah, I'm just going to say it. You have to deal with a lot of dickheads. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would come as any, I mean, I could list five golfers that I think are dickheads and I reckon everyone listening would go, yep, sounds about right. Save it for podcast That's live. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that was, that, if that doesn't sell some tickets, there you go. <laughs> Buy a cool. ticket. We will each reveal the five golfers we think are the biggest dickheads that we've ever had to deal with. There you go. Dead easy, I'll give you 10. So, um, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, I spent, I spent a couple of hours with Justin, uh, sorry, Justin, Jordan, I'm tired. And... Now though, I just uh, I've been having the weird thing about you've been having it, feelings for someone else. That is exactly where I was going, <laughs> but trying to make it not quite as not quite as sexy, um, <laughs> like or like I'm having trying to have an affair. But it was yeah, I, the last since well certainly since Hovland came on the scene, I love everything about him. He listens to a very similar style of music to what I do. He has 
what I hope is a very similar sort of sense of humour to me. He's always got that silly, cheeky little grin on his face. And I, I like to think that's how I am, especially like around my kids and stuff. So it, there's just something, he's incredibly likable, incredibly lovable. We sort of knew how he's, I mean, even when he first came on, he hadn't been, he, he'd been professional, he hadn't even been a professional for a month. And he was made the favourite for, for a golf tournament on the PGA Tour. And reporters asked him what he thought about that and he just went oh they need to lay off the weed man it was just so good it was just it was uh, we knew we had a character in our game when we saw that and uh, back to humility as well exactly no no it he's just incredibly likable character i just i would he's i definitely love to just go and hang out with him do you know what i mean if you said to me oh do you know what He's over in Norway for a few for a couple few weeks. Let's go and hang out with him for a day. Mm. I would I would I'd pay for my own flights. It would be absolutely incredible. And, and like I said at the top, like he had to take Ludwig Oberg out there and lead that group. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about Oberg having nothing to lose. Absolutely right. But Hovland has got stuff to lose in this Ryder Cup. He could not have started it any better. He really couldn't have done. I mean, we're all talking about how many majors this guy's going to win. He's got majors in his future. There's no doubt about that. But in terms of him as a Ryder Cup player, this is the start of something incredibly special. This it, Today alone felt like a coming of age for him. Yep. And it was, it, was, it was lovely to watch. And he dropped that massive putt at the last in the afternoon. Which just about clipped which in. just about fell in. By the way, if you haven't seen the video of that putt dropping in, Go and watch it. Bryce tweeted it, I think, and I retweeted it. I think you retweeted it as well. So go to any of our socials and you'll find it. But it's just wonderful. That putt drops in, Hovland gives it the fist pump, starts walking after it, and Shane Lowry just bounces into the background of the shot, going absolutely (laughs) mental. It's just, it's one of the funniest things you'll see all day. It was just so, I I think I've watched it 30 times away. You know what? Not just funny, relatable as well. Exactly. Because it's just, unbridled passion exactly. and joy and euphoria and you know what it says to me it says this this is something that it's okay to care about it's exactly. sport ultimately we know that oh really it doesn't matter all that much yeah fine okay it's not saving any lives but it can enrich and it can improve and it can certainly do wonders for your mental health and your mood and just how you feel generally. Exactly. When you see that happen and you see that these guys who are multi, multi, multi-millionaires are celebrating like that in a match where they're getting paid absolutely fuck all, you know, they're, they're here because they want to be here. Oh, man, it's just the best. It really is. God, talk about Bob. Because oh, uh, that, was, that was genuinely... I'm a huge Bob McIntyre fan and... That was genuinely a really, really nice moment. And uh, like, look, I felt a little bit in my chest when he got up there and striped it up the middle. And I looked over at you and like I said a minute ago, you were pinching that bit of skin between your eyes because mm. I could I could tell that you were wobbling a little bit and understandably so. So just... Christ almighty doing it again now. But listen, I think it's... I've known Bob a long time. I've I've spoken to family members. I've I've covered his his story really going back to his amateur days, just before he came up in the tee, and so we're standing there. I, I for some reason had this flashback to when we made Scottish Club Golfer newspaper 
which for those who don't know, which I assume it's everybody, it was a, a, a sort of A3 glossy newspaper that we produced six times a year. And it focused solely on grassroots golf in Scotland. It was amateur golf only. And by the way, if you can hear a hiss behind me just now, I think my next door neighbour has jumped in the shower. So please don't be alarmed. <laughs> Listen, it was either this or you're going to get the the of Tom Grennan's gig coming through the media centre. So I think we made the right call. But anyway, yeah, Bob, I've, I've covered him for years. And it, it did occur to me that in one issue of Scottish Club Golfer, uh, I did a, a centre spread, which is where we put all our sort of fancier content, our interviews and our, our big features and so on. I did one on him winning the, the Scottish Amateur Championship, I think it was, years ago. And the only thing I remember really from it was the headline, which was Land of Oban Glory, which <laughs> to this day I remain quite proud of. Very but good. it was funny because I went up to speak to Bob in Oban at Glen Cruton Golf Club a year past January for our Masters preview. And up on the wall in Glen, Glen Cruton was a, a printout of that feature. He was obviously a really young lad at the time. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You, you try your best to separate your, your personal feelings and your sort of patriotism, your partisanship when you do this job. I mean, you have to. But I also think it's important that you don't ignore it and resist it completely because I write about golf because I like golf. And that's that's a big, big part of it for me. I, I write about golf and I cover it because I like the people and the personalities. I can be critical of them. What you don't know is that me and Zach Johnson are actually really tight and that I was just <laughs> last You know, I can be critical of them. I can hold people to account. I have no issue doing that. But ultimately, my love for the sport comes from an appreciation and like of the people, first and foremost. And Bob, his family, it's just, I, I find that, really nice because it's it's not a country club golfer with a silver spoon in his mouth story. He's from a, a rural community, which is a bit like me. I grew up in the, the islands of Scotland. And so I can relate a bit to that. I also know people from his hometown. Some A couple of my best mates are from Oban. And, you know, they've been telling me for years, you know, follow this guy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm doing it. Going to buy the magazine. You'll read about it. So, yeah, this long story short was a bit of a, a completion of a circle in, on, on, in, in that respect of seeing Bob get to the stage that I know he's desperately wanted to be on. And it meant a lot to me to go out and to stand on the first tee and to see him arrive on the tee, take that moment yeah. and, and hit his first shot on the Ryder Cup stage. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a, some of those parts, maybe a bit of sleep deprivation, <laughs> maybe a little bit of, of missing my wee girl, all that sort of stuff. It just kind of came home to roost and... I, I think I managed to hold it together. There, there were listen. There were no tears shed. I wasn't a blubbering mess. I mean, that's that's for <laughs> that's for his nearest and dearest to do, as I'm sure they did. But yeah, certainly, I'm glad for I'm glad at Aviators, and um, yeah, I think it's ex extremely proud on a Scottish level, a really parochial level, to see one of us do that. It's the first time that a player that I've covered from a young age has gone on to that stage. So yeah, really cool moment. He had a great shot in the first, but then he struggled. Let's be honest, he didn't, he didn't have a great day in the greens. And I'm just glad that he had a, a partner in Justin Rose who, yeah, was, was able to help him out and get him that half point that he deserved. So yeah. 
Yeah, special. I think from a, from a slightly less emotional perspective, I I was genuinely when he came off, like he looked gutted. And to be fair, as soon as he had that microphone shoved under his nose, he fronted up and he just went, "Yeah, do you know what? I just didn't play well enough around the around the greens." And luckily, you know, I had this guy next to me talking about Justin Rose, of course. And Justin Rose was brilliant. Like he said, you know. Bob played really well today. He just got a little bit unlucky around the greens. Now, we've seen all week, he's been really struggling with his driver. And, you know, I, sp- I spoke yesterday that how I had to duck a- away from one, of his, <laughs> from one of his tee shots off the first because he uh, lamped it over or duck hooked it into the where we were shading out from the sun. And I was nervous for him. So yeah. Christ knows how he was feeling. Yeah when he was standing over that ball and when he lamped it up the middle, it was like a wave of relief. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, we were all sitting here thinking, you know, is he going to play two matches? Is he going to get benched until Sunday? I mean, everyone's been saying that, or this, uh, certainly the Americans have been saying that, or they've been thinking that he's the weak link in our team, mm-hmm. our team Europe. And, you know, Kyle Porter, he, uh, you know, he's, Carl Paul, Carl's a friend of ours and an American, but you know he said the talk here all week in Rome is that Bobby Mac, Bobby Mac, no, couldn't find a fairway that. and might sit all day on Friday or even until Sunday singles. He hit his first drive three to eight down the middle, stuck his approach to five feet and made an easy birdie. He was, and then Ewan Ferguson, who presumably is good friends with Bob, mm-hmm. said. Bob does that regularly when it really matters. No surprise yeah, at all. And exactly. it's not a surprise in any way, shape or form. I think it's actually a massive shame that Max Homer made a birdie on that hole as well. Because I think if, <laughs> if he doesn't drain that birdie part and Bob wins the first hole for his team, I think he plays a lot better. I think maybe that just, he probably thought, oh, bloody hell, I've been shit off the tee all week. I'm really struggling with my driver. I hit an absolute beauty. I make birdie and then he makes a bloody birdie <laughs> as well. So there might've been a little bit of psychological stuff going on there. But yeah, like I said, I was I was absolutely buzzing for him. He's such a nice young man mm. and really carries himself well in a, in such a relatable manner. He Bob McIntyre is how I like to think I would be if I was a professional athlete yeah. and earning the big bucks like him. He's a good example and a good role model, and yeah, just hugely proud of him. Listen, we're we're running out of time fast here, at Alex. We've actually gone way over time, so I just want to cover something very quickly and I'm sure we're going to talk about this again tomorrow because I don't think this story is going to go away anytime soon. Brooks Kepka, after John Ram pretty much ruined his dinner by holding that incredible birdie putt at the last to salvage the half, he made a really weird comment and we're trying to establish context, we're trying to establish all the detail around it, who it was that even asked him the question, but Brooks Kepka was asked, you know, how, how he was feeling after seeing that full point slip through the, the grasp of, of he and Scotty Scheffler. And he said, me and Scotty birdied, what was it, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and then lost, presumably, that stretch by two. So yes, I want to hit a board and pout just like John Ram did. But you know, it is what it is. Act like a child, but we're adults. We move on. I have no idea what specifically he was referring to. You have no idea. Nope. Everyone we've spoken to has no idea. Seems like a bit of a strange one and maybe a little bit of sour grapes on, on Kepka's behalf. Of course it Certainly is. Certainly it's lit a little bit of the blue touch paper as we approach Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, well, he, he's not happy about something. <laughs> he's not happy about John Ron pouting, apparently. But whatever that means, look, I mean, 
I, I think people are welcome to interpret those comments however they wish. Like you say, neither of us know. I think just what I find astonishing is that two days ago, Brooks Kepka was asked about players who didn't make the team from Live Golf. And he just shrugged his shoulders and he just went, well, they should have just played better. Like I had the same chances as they did and I made the team. And now he's getting asked these questions and he's throwing his toys out. Well, you didn't win the match, Brooks. Just play better. But no, I... This guy, this guy cracks me up. He just, he just never looks like he can be bothered. Yeah, and I just sort of, I quite, quite admire, sort of quite like that in a way. I wish I could sort of be not care about what I do as much <laughs> as he does and still perform the way that he does. But no, it's uh, no, I, I'm, I'm very happy for people to just make their own interpretation of that. I'm certainly not going to yeah. start trying to dig into the psychological or Luke, the psyche of Bruce Kepka of <laughs> people. My God. You'd be there all day. Luke Donald and Zach Johnson were both asked about it afterwards. They they both pretty well batted it away. I think it was news to them, frankly, as well. I suspect that it will come up again. I, I imagine John Ram's going to be asked, or certainly teammates of his will be asked. Maybe it's all being discussed at dinner right now. Maybe it is a, the word of the week is nothing burger. Maybe that's all it is, and that's all it'll ever amount to. But Thank you, Brooks, for, for, for bringing the thunder. We, we do appreciate it. <laughs> Just before we go, Alex, very simple question. Can the US, well, yes, they can still win, so I'm going to rephrase it. Do you think from this position right now on Friday evening, do you think the US will win? I don't think they will win. Will I be surprised if they win? No, because it's the US Ryder Cup team. It's still made up of a bunch of phenomenal players who could, I mean, look, they could turn up tomorrow and you know eke out a couple of points in the morning and then and then red wash Europe in the afternoon. <laughs> so we don't know, do we? Like it's 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 going to be incredibly tough still. And I think if if Europe get to ten, maybe eleven points tomorrow, I think it's all over. If yeah. I'm honest with you. You can't see it going into Sunday single and and uh, that score line with you know if Europe have ten or eleven on the board, there's no way they're not getting those four and a half they need or whatever it is on yep. Sunday. It's just it's, it's it's all over. I agree. I think four points from across the two sessions tomorrow moves them to ten and a half points. Yeah. So the maximum that the Americans could be on then, please be right, maths is five and a half. I think that's an insurmountable lead, frankly. Yeah. You know, you're talking about something that was a. <clears throat> a more spectacular comeback than Medina. That's what it will require. So, or certainly at least on that level. So it's not an impossibility, but it most certainly is an improbability. Certainly not getting cocky about it, that's for sure. No. I mean, I said on yesterday's podcast, you asked me for a scoreline. I said I didn't want to, I was going to go 3-1, but I didn't want to sound cocky. So you, <laughs> yeah, you should have gone the other way. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a day. What an absolutely incredible, unforgettable, emotional and yeah, spectacular day. The Ryder Cup does it like nothing else. Alex, thank you so much thank you. For, for jumping on. I know that you're very tired and I know you want to get to your bed. So I'll let you go now, as Ivor Robson might have said. Oh my God, I was just brought up <laughs> Ivor Robson and I'm already emotional. Imagine he was there. Jesus. Thank you for your time, bud. Thanks, man. And thank you to you for listening. Most important of all, we, we couldn't do it without you, nor would we choose to. Thank you, Callaway, obviously, as well, for your continued support. We will be back again this time tomorrow, hopefully slightly earlier. No more no more music, please, Tom Grennan. You've had your fun. 
Until then, enjoy Saturday. It's going to be brilliant. Bye-bye for now.